0: Hello and welcome to the September 2021 episode of the Beats and Bleeps podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. So um, I'm joined today by David Housden, who's taken some time out of his schedule to talk to myself about himself and his works. So, um, how are you, David? You all right?
1: Yeah, doing really well, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. Thank you. Just uh, enjoying a little bit of some we've actually got again. <laughs> Fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, an obvious place to start, um, how did you get into writing game soundtracks and, like, your your musical background as such?
1: Um, well, I grew up in quite a musical household, so it's always been a part of my life to some degree. Um, really, I think I first started taking music seriously probably in high school. Um, I taught myself how to play a few basic chords on my dad's guitar and... Um, got quite heavily into rock music from there and then bought an electric guitar, taught myself how to play that played in a few bands um, did you know quite a lot of solo stuff at open mic nights and so on and so forth trying to live the rock star dream and then um, sort of came to terms with the fact that uh, I wasn't going to be the next Nick Jagger and um, <laughs> decided to settle down for the far more stable career route of uh, composing for video games um, so yeah. <laughs> The long and short of it, um, but yeah, no, really, it was uh, it was just a long, um, a long succession of various decisions that led to that point. I think probably culminated when I went to university to study music production. I had the chance to do some self-directed study in my second year, and I just started kind of gearing every single module that I could towards uh, building a portfolio for composing for games. From there, and then. I was very fortunate to um land a great relationship and a great project sort of very swiftly after graduating and um just it's it's continued rolling from there really
0: so was it always like when you decided you wanted to go down the soundtrack composing was it always games you were wanted to get into more than like film and tv or
1: um I wouldn't necessarily say more. I saw an opportunity in games that I didn't think was present in film and television at the time. A lot of new media was um, starting to be consumed with the advent of mobile gaming and uh, browser gaming, social gaming, so on and so forth. Like All of these projects being greenlit, left, right and centre and they all needed music. It just felt like a bit of a window seemed to be opening up in this situation also I felt whether rightly or wrongly at the time that I I just didn't have the uh the background to go into film music like my perception of it at that point in time at least was that it's more for people who've been to to a conservatory um a conservatoire (laughs) rather um classically trained um ideally you know probably gone down the assistant route in terms of helping a composer and so on and so forth Um, and I I knew that I just didn't tick any of those boxes and I felt it was going to be a real uphill struggle for me to make a dent in that industry whereas I was well not only you know games always been probably my second love after music but you know combined with all of these new opportunities opening up it just felt like that was really where I should direct all of my efforts
0: yeah. So um you mentioned the first project. Was the first game you worked on? There was that Thomas Was Alone, the first one. That's right, yeah. yeah. So with um so how did that come about? Was it just Mike Biffle was asking for some music and you kind of sent your portfolio off or?
1: Um no, we actually that actually came about through a contact that I had from the band days. We were um playing a show with a band from Essex called Who's Driving Bears Driving and their lead guitarist was A developer at Jagex at the time which is a big studio in Cambridge Um, so this is while I was in uni kind of wanting to get into games so as soon as I heard that I was like oh my god let me buy you a beer and (laughs) have a chat and stuff and um, you know sort of subtly hinted that you know any work experience would be great Um, and I didn't hear from him again for ages but then he randomly reached out of the blue to me um, about six months later to say that he'd moved to a startup studio in London called Bossa and there wasn't any work experience but there was an opportunity with uh, one of his co-workers who was making um, uh, an indie game um, as a hobby project in his spare time Um, you know would it wouldn't be any upfront cash available or anything but it would be a good chance to get a credit and build a relationship and so on and so forth so he very kindly put me in touch with Mike and um, yeah, Mike asked me to write a demo for him. I didn't have any equipment at the time because I was literally so newly graduated. Like I, you know, I used to write on all of the school equipment at yeah. college. Um, but I didn't have my own setup, so I, I took the uh, very hard decision of selling my um, pride and joy guitars and uh, amp, um, so that I could get a secondhand iMac and um, secondhand copy of Pro Tools LE and a two octave midi keyboard and a um, couple of pieces of software and then that very weekend I just locked myself inside and uh, wrote my first piece of music um, on that system and uh, that ended up being the title track for Thomas Was Alone.
0: So this kind of leads on to the next question quite nicely it's like that, that soundtrack's like quite a minimal soundtrack and obviously from from the equipment you've got like it's you know that's kind of kind of understandable but it works really well with it um like obviously it's got the like strings and piano but then quite like a nice electronic edge and the game itself being quite a minimal design the soundtrack really adds like those layers to it and i mean obviously the other other thing with that is the your, your nomination for a bafta from that soundtrack was that like just completely shock that it even like got the recognition and got gone that far
1: yeah yeah absolutely um it's no small exaggeration to say that my expectations for that game uh, would have been surpassed if we sold a few hundred copies and um if i you know sort of made enough money from it to treat myself to a nice meal out or something that, that was literally the extent of um my hopes for it um so yeah i mean everything that followed was an absolute whirlwind and um you know, it's still strange to think about to be honest it's just not something you're really prepared for um, <laughs> coming fresh out of university and then within the space of a year uh, with one credit to your name uh, suddenly having your work um, recognised and acknowledged in the same breath as um, you know I-, I think Assassin's Creed 3 Journey um, Arkham Asylum and The Walking Dead or something were yeah. the other nominee that year so it was very surreal and bizarre to um have been there with a score which i wrote for you know probably about 800 pounds worth of investment next to these um six figure music budgets and stuff so uh yeah very weird but very amazing and you know what what an incredible you know way to uh Start a career, an incredibly fortunate way to start a career.
0: Yeah, I mean, I imagine that they definitely had more than a two octave MIDI keyboard at their disposal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I reckon they might have, uh, they might have stretched to the ac 8, you never know.
0: So, with, um, I'm assuming like based upon the success of that and working with Mike on Thomas Was Alone, that's kind of how the volume soundtrack came about. Was there much like in terms of process different from that game to working on Thomas Was Alone, or
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, very much so. Mike actually mentioned volume to me for the first time uh, when we were at the BAFTA ceremony that night, and I was like, oh, my God, man, can we just enjoy, like... <laughs> <laughs> the culmination of all of the, you know, the last year and a half's work or, or whatever, but, you know, that's just um, that was just classic. You know, he's always thinking about what the next thing was. So, um, yeah, no, volume was different. Um, like, Thomas was um, a very... Sort of close collaboration between us because we were the only, the only two um, people contributing to it, other than Danny Wallace's voiceover. Yeah, um, my game made the whole game by himself, and I, you know, did the entire score by myself. And then other than that, th- that was it. So we, yeah, we had sort of very close communication through that. But w- whereas on Volume, had a team of at least eight people, I think. So it grew um, quite significantly, and. Um, I think I'd probably earned um, a bit more trust by that point as well, so it wasn't quite as involved as uh, Proseta. So like it was a lot more of we, we did a lot of communication and establishing what we wanted to achieve and the you know creative direction that we wanted to go in musically at the start. And then after that, it was more a case of me you know kind of getting on with it and churning out the assets and then uh, responding to any feedback. Or you know, fortunately, it was a really nice project because there wasn't a lot of um but you know i think because we spent so much time establishing where we wanted to go at the beginning and also because we had the shorthand built up from previous projects as well it was it was a very organic uh project to work on and um you know things were more or less sort of one taken and um you know they were approved so it was really great it doesn't always work like that
0: <laughs> so with um so with volume like as well like i did notice when i've played it like the the soundtrack's more interactive if, if uh was that were you involved in the programming side of that or was that more like you had wrote the pieces and then someone else developed how how that reacts
1: yeah I'm never um never directly involved in the programming side of it in terms of actually plugging in um uh or, or you know like um coding the music system however I'm very involved in terms of uh informing that entire process like the Uh, every game i work on i always um you know deciding collaboration with other people sometimes but ultimately it comes down to how i want the music to play back and perform and respond in game and then i you know i compose accordingly and then hand off the assets to someone with the knowledge and know how not to break it all uh, to put it together and make it perform uh, as i intended so um yeah they're not completely separate Processes is not like I'm composing in a uh, vacuum or anything, but um, equally, I you know I wouldn't want to take credit for you know kind of getting hands-on with uh, the middleware or uh, you know the engine because that's not something I do. I'm uh, literally you know a, a composer in the sort of traditional sense, but you have to have a good working knowledge of the capabilities of all of the systems that are available to you so that you can inform the process and you know have. Um, creative and technical discussions with uh, either the programmer or the sound like, you know, whoever's in charge of actually kind of getting their hands dirty with that kind of stuff, so uh, that's really important to do, but um, yeah, you know it's, it's more interactive, I, uh, Thomas Was Alone wasn't interactive at all in the sense that it um, responds to player actions, but on the other hand, it was probably the most interactive score that I've ever done because the entire thing is procedurally um, generated uh, in a sense Um, So, you know, you could really play that game a hundred times and you'd hear a different arrangement of the soundtrack uh, each time that you played through it, which is, well, particularly at the time, was um, pretty amazing. But um, not something I'd be in a rush to do again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think any time, especially with, like not even necessarily in music but like games where people mention procedurally generated everyone kind of cringes a little bit because it's like it just it's set in a branch of your own back that you've got to present these infinite possibilities and it's just just sounds like so much work with with it and i'm guessing yeah. like from a musical point of view as well there's so much so much to consider to make sure when you do that it doesn't end up having bits where it just sounds awful yes. basically yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> a lot of trial and error um a lot of, I mean it's not a particularly organic way to compose, like the only way that I could wrap my head around it was just to write as normally as possible and then retrospectively go back and break all of the tracks up into the composite um, loops and sections and then we categorised each each tier um, of instruments um, with, with rules and conditions, so for example no two lanes of percussion could play back at the same time but strings piano and electronics could all you know perform simultaneously and you know so there's all, all sorts of different rules and codes that you had to write in and then you had to assign each looper uh, a probability factor of how often it would or wouldn't occur so the sort of more uh, obvious melodic content you want to give like quite a low probability factor so that it doesn't become too prominent and repetitive and so on and so forth whereas um, you know, anything providing kind of a bit uh, a bit of rhythm or a bit more movement you'd probably want to be occurring a bit more often so that the track doesn't lull too much and keeps the pace up and so on and so forth. So yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. The, <laughs> writing the music was probably the easiest part of that project, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: um so with obviously the those the two games you did with Mike Biffle, um on your website mentioned you did a, a game with Jonathan Ross's studio.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah many means ago.
0: Was that the Capture Catcher Alien?
1: That's right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, how...
0: Because a- obviously that's a mobile game, isn't it? How, How like, much yeah. different is composing for a mobile game? Is there, like, more limitations you need to think about? Not not
1: really in terms of your working process. I mean, there's normally limitations in terms of the scope of the project and the available budget, um, although even, even that's starting to change. You know, you're quite often seeing mobile games with huge production value and, um, uh, you know, live orchestra recorded and so on and so forth. And that just quite simply wasn't happening, um, 10 years ago, (laughs) uh, to to say the least. Um, but no, not in terms of sort of technical limitations. I I mean, obviously the, um, the, the file size of the games has to be smaller. So you probably, ended up working in mp3 or og or, or you know um, a proprietary codec uh, audio codec um, to keep the file size down you know you're not using 24 bit um, 48k WAVs um, yeah. the mobile It was certainly weren't back then anyway but other than that no there's no change in process or anything.
0: So you don't need to worry about like the process and hardware kind of thing like that I'm assuming like they all just play audio now don't they so, yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, so from from that was Cube 2 the next soundtrack you worked on after that game what is
1: um, no I mean i I've worked on all manner of. I mean Cube 2 is probably the next um, uh, you know game of note yeah. uh, so to speak but you know all, all manner of um, you know sort of smaller projects uh, indie film you know I started doing quite a lot of um, I you know decided after I've established myself reasonably well in games I was going to branch out and try and do a bit more in films. I did I did quite a few indie films during that time trying to build up a bit of a portfolio on that side of things. Um I actually considered going uh back to university to do a master's in film scoring but I'm really glad I didn't now because that would have been um a, <laughs> a big expense and a big um kind of stalling of momentum uh in my career. So I was infinitely better off uh, continuing down the trajectory that I'd already started for myself. Um yeah
0: so with um like working on film compared to working on games do you you prefer working on games or is there they're not really much in it is there much in terms of like how you do the process differently
1: i think it's just a case of you know the grass probably always seems greener um if you work on games for the majority of your career then it feels like quite a nice palette changer when you do work on a film unit you get to craft the exact emotional arc of you know Precisely what the audience is going to hear and feel at any given point. Um, there's something about that that I, you know, definitely resonates with me quite a lot. Um, however, at the same time, uh, there's a bit of a lack of freedom in comparison to games. You know, you have to write your music to fit um, predefined uh, act- actions. You know, it's, it's linear content; it never changes. So, um, y- you know, it's it almost feels like there's more constraints yeah. in a way sometimes when you are working for film um and then you know yeah get games feel then feels like a breath of fresh air when you go back to it having done that so um yeah they've both got their pros and cons um to be honest on balance i'd say that my heart definitely lies with games though
0: yeah so with um lost words beyond the Pages, is obviously the game it's split into two like kind of distinct sections you've got the literal book section and then kind of even though it's a platforming section and then like the uh 2D platforming section was it did you did they kind of get treated as two separate things or did you still want to tie it together as one soundtrack
1: yeah no definitely it was really important that it all feel cohesive and part of the same world whilst similarly establishing the fact that you know they are different realms um the, the fantasy world had to sound like a fantasy world and I wanted to use a much more intimate approach for the um, for the diary to kind of represent the um, uh, the rawness of the emotions that um, Izzy the protagonist was feeling and experiencing in real time um, and you know real life doesn't tend to have the grandeur of um, a fantasy world mm. you know it is a lot more raw and intimate and <laughs> stripped Yeah. Back, so Um, But equally, you know, um, they they had to fit together and they had to uh, bleed into one another those those elements which we kind of bounce back between. But, you know, we establish an idea in the diary and then flesh it out in the uh, fantasy world and vice versa. So, um, yeah, it's it's a balancing act, I think.
0: Yeah. So um, I know it's like with, I think, majority of the games that you've you've worked on, they kind of have... um like vocal narration during the game like obviously you mentioned thomas was alone and volume had danny wallace working on them and the same with obviously lost words has that does do you do you feel that's kind of not necessarily a restraint but it gives you something else to think about when writing the soundtracks i'm assuming you can't have like too much as a, a prominent thing that would take away from from the storytelling yeah that's
1: something that um I suppose those sort of games do share with film you know you're 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 there to my primary job is always to support the emotional experience of the player and uh to follow the story and give it the uh you know draw out the subtext make sure the player's feeling what we want them to be feeling at any given time so with dialogue heavy narrative driven games there's you know that kind of thing is obviously a lot more front and centre than with a a more mechanic-driven game with less of a focus on story so um, yeah it is a big consideration I really like working on those games I feel I feel at home I feel I'm able to do my best work um, with narrative experience you know particularly emotionally driven narrative experiences that's where I feel really kind of comfortable and at my strongest as a writer I think Um, and it's nice that I got to do that again with lost words um, without um, <laughs> having to sort of fake at being, you know, uh, pretending that I knew what I was doing with, um, you know, the electronic sounds again, uh, as I <laughs> did with Thomas'
0: <laughs> So it's quite, I did notice, like, with especially Thomas' Alone, like, the the music kind of, it's hard to, hard to explain, but, like, the emotional connection, obviously, has quite a lot of humour in Thomas' Alone, and I do find it's, like, quite, uh, it does come across Kind of quintessentially british humor and Mm -hmm. enjoyable like the music somehow supplements that is that like did you did you know when you were writing that soundtrack the game would kind of have that sort of humorous side and like was there kind of from from mike biffle kind of like a define this is this is kind of how the narrative of the story is going to work or was it just what music seemed to fit that you felt was best
1: no our um our process was a lot simpler than that. Um, <clears throat> to be honest, there wasn't um, uh, the story as it appears in the game wasn't something which was um, predefined at the start of production. It was something which kind of developed um, throughout. And I think it was only towards the sort of back end of production that Mike really wanted to kind of turn it into a full-on narrative experience. And um, I know he wrote this script with Danny Wallace particularly in mind. Um, and that's probably why it feels so uh, quintessentially British and, you know, humorous in places and so on and so forth because it was the the perfect casting for, you know, the the story that Mike wanted to tell. But no, from my perspective, um, th- you know, I wasn't aware of any of the, you know, the humor that would be in there or um, any of that. We, we, we had 10 stages and each stage had, you know, uh, a purpose um, as far as the you know the vague story that Mike had at the time going for it and we sort of broke each stage down into a series of keywords that we wanted the music to capture so you know initially i think it was isolation and loss when you know Thomas is by himself and the world around him is very sparse and just kind of forming so instantly excuse me i went to um uh kind of like a post-rock sound some very ambient uh delayed uh, guitars. I, I love uh bands like Explosions in the Sky and yeah. hammock and uh, Mogwai and um, that kind of stuff. So that was really a, you know a nice chance for me to um yeah live out my, my post rock <laughs> dreams for uh, for a stage and then you know there was um uh, a stage when you're meeting someone for the first time and Mike really wanted me to tr- you know try and capture that um bright eyed optimism of, you know, almost like you're First day at school, you know, feeling kind of quite nervous but you know very excited at the same time, and you know, so it, we, had, we had all these little like mini briefs for each track of music, and that was really how the soundtrack was developed. And I think that's probably why it does sound, um, you know, it it captures emotions in you know a very simple and pure way. And I think that's probably because the brief was so so it was literally write a piece of music that makes you feel like this. Yeah, and you, you just don't really get much clearer than that so it was uh, was
0: a really nice way to work yeah so with um like this like thomas was alone in volume and but to be honest most soundtracks it's kind of like you have quite a i wouldn't say like refined but restricted palette of instruments you use like i know lost words kind of you use more orchestral sounds but is that kind of like to try and keep him with the mood of the games that you've got that sort of limited instruments to use rather than kind of going you know obviously now with composer music you can choose pretty much and sampling you can choose pretty much any instrument ever made to sample and use and like did you want to did was it your decision to like restrict that down somewhat to kind of set that that kind of like overall feeling of the soundtracks
1: it's an important part of my process on every project to define what the sound palette is going to be at the start because otherwise you're right You you know you you can't just go in with the entire world at your oyster throughout the entirety of product. Otherwise, it's just going to, well, I don't know what it's going to sound like. I've never tried <laughs> to do a soundtrack that includes every single <laughs> uh, sound, but, um, you know what I mean? Like you have to you have to define the sonic aesthetic of a game, like give a world its sonic identity at the beginning. And, you know, a large part of that is choosing and picking your sound. So it's, um, maybe it's a sort of self-imposed limitation but yeah it's you know almost like a an artist selecting the colours that they wish to use on their palette for a a painting Um, so yes that is something that I, uh, I make sure spend a lot of time on at the beginning of every project and um it's really just what i feel the game needs and requires obviously uh, in conjunction with the thoughts and feelings of um you know the creative director or the producer you know whoever's kind of leading the um directorial side of production um you know it's a, a collaboration with them and um uh, yeah we normally go from there
0: so with um the battletoads remake reboot i don't really know what to reboot yeah reboot which um because obviously Battletoads is quite a highly regarded series and the original soundtrack as well like David Wise such uh like I I grew up grew up like with Donkey Kong Country soundtrack like that goes around my head and it's like we was that something you were kind of like obviously excited to take on but also a bit a bit nervous because of the level of expectation
1: yeah hugely hugely I I think Rare probably have one of the most exemplary stables of composers on, on their uh, their back catalogue. Um, you know, Grant Kirkhope, Robin Beanland, David Wise, The Hero, uh, Graham Norgay, um, you know, so many just incredible composers and so many iconic scores. Um, to have the chance to add my name to that stable is just absolutely incredible. Um, and yeah, big weight of expectation to be honest, but fortunately I think that was lessened um, by the nature of the project because it was so um, it was so in my comfort zone Um, I knew that I was going to be able to um, you know, do do a good job of it because I I grew up playing uh, electric guitar and rock music, Um, I had all of the contacts from my band, I knew exactly who the best producers were. In that genre, I knew exactly who the best musicians were that I could use for what I wanted to achieve there. You know, um, it, it's my instrument that, you know, if anything, I feel like more of a fraud when I write piano, because <laughs> I don't know how to play the piano. I, you know, I just plonk around and, you know, try not to ruin the ideas that I have in my head when it comes <laughs> to getting my ideas into the computer. Um, whereas the guitar, I can pick up. I can pick up the guitar. I can jam ideas on it. I can. I can record myself playing guitar to a reasonably good standard. Um, so it, it was perfect project to do something. You know, if it was a genre that I wasn't comfortable or familiar with, and I was trying to teach myself the shorthand and the tropes of a new style of music, as well as lending my voice to um, you know a very popular existing IP, then I think it could have been you know. Uh, way more scary scary experience than it was um, but also you know Rare were really lovely to work with, they were so um, I was super nervous on the first uh, hand in of Asset, you know, waiting to get that first sign off is always a nerve wracking experience but amplify that by 10 uh, for this but you know um, they were so complimentary and you know loved what I was doing and that took a lot of pressure off me once I knew that okay cool they don't hate my work <laughs> okay now we're good now I can I can get in my groove and I can start to relax a bit and you know start to experiment a bit and stuff and um, it was a really great project it really was and um, you know really nice touch to that uh, they brought out the vinyl uh, it was a double disc you know, half of it was the original score by David Wise and then half of it was um in a for the new game for myself so it was a real honor to you know have have my work um made available alongside the uh the OG
0: yeah as i say did um did, did david wise have much to do with the reboot or is that all entirely yourself I, know, I think there there's a few tracks of his on there isn't there or
1: yeah um i i really wanted to make sure to acknowledge like um the, the original series has such a Passionate fan base and you know, there's some incredible music and I'm still in awe of how he was able to write such iconic music with <laughs> <laughs> the limitations that they had in those days. It's um, really quite something so like yeah, I really wanted to cherry-pick what I considered to be the um, strongest or you know, the most popular pieces of work from the originals and give them the uh, uh, the you know love and um care of a, of a modern update and you know kind of yeah realize them with um contemporary production techniques and see what it would have sounded like now um so that was really fun to do um but no uh, we you know we never we were never put in touch with uh one another it wasn't really until after the project that you know david um reached out to me and you know sort of said, nice work and stuff. <laughs> 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 Bit of a relief that he didn't hate it. <laughs> but um, no, a real a real honour to have the um, opportunity to work with some of his um, amazing original songs and um, uh, equally to, you know, add to that stable and to take things in a, a new, fresh direction.
0: Yeah, that's it. Definitely, like, that whole 8-bit, 16-bit kind of, like, rock soundtracks now when they're turned into you know a full full you know well actual real recorded and stuff like the difference is massive but it's still still those little little melodies and things that you know that that's kind of what what draws you in that little eight bit melody and it's like so much craft that went into that to make it sound so good on something that fundamentally doesn't sound very good (laughs) So. Definitely. so in terms of like obviously you, with Battletoads I'm assuming that was like a proper band in the studio job for the soundtrack, but in terms of like the other soundtracks have you has just set up deviated much from what you said originally or is it still kind of fairly PC or Mac orientated in Pro Tools?
1: Oh no, um yeah, no, I've thankfully upgraded my system many times <laughs> uh, over the years since then. So, uh, yeah, no, It's uh, I do everything in Logic now. But, um, yeah, I try and work with uh, live players as often as the budgets allow, to be honest. It's something uh, which I'm definitely going to be doing a lot more of on my uh, current projects that I have going on. Um, you know, fortunately, with... Um, uh, the scope and scale of uh, projects improve. Um, you know, you, you know your, your past projects do well, and then you get to sort of enjoy the fruits of that on larger ones. So yeah, rather than uh, doing all in the box scores, I would try and work with. You know, it, it's not always required. I was trying to think of the right way to phrase it, but really, because some games, um, the, the most Effective thing that you can do for them is to do an entirely electronic score, and uh, you know, uh, I love I love doing synth scores. Uh, Keep Two was an entirely synth score, so a a little bit of strings here and there, but it was such um, a vague colour; it wasn't really necessary to um, record live, and also there frankly wasn't the money for it. But um, Keep Two was a yeah, you know, sort of very electronic um, heavy score, so. Um, that's one example of where it wouldn't really make much sense to do, but, you know, Lost Words on the other hand was almost entirely traditional. Um, and I felt it was going to be really important to record that live to get the, um, you know, the really bring out the human emotion in, the in the writing. And, um, fortunately, um, Mark, the developer shared my ambition for what we wanted to achieve with music and we were able to record that uh, in Nashville with the uh, live orchestra um, which is absolutely incredible experience and it really did elevate the game so much and, and the score, it made everything you know so much richer and um, more emotional it's a really great experience so yeah, it re- it really depends it depends on the sonic palette um, quite often what I do now is write to budget um, so if I know that um you know, I'm going to have quite a lot to play around with and the opportunities there, then yeah, maybe we look to increase the production value and go for a sort of larger ensemble sound. If it's going to be something a bit small, a bit more niche and a bit more arty, indie, then, you know, maybe uh, there's only going to be the capacity to get a few soloists in, and so then I'll sort of select the instrumentation accordingly um, to that. But I think that's a re- really good way to uh, work because it helps you, um, being creative within limitations is something that I actually find really inspiring Um, I think sometimes having a complete blank canvas can be uh, a very intimidating way to try and start a project so you know in advance that you're only going to have X amount of money or conversely that you're going to have a lot of money therefore you can kind of aim straight for the top then it almost kind of gets you kick started in a way
0: so if, I know in this, this situation you're not supposed to pick favourite children but is, is there a project you, you worked on more that you enjoyed more than any of us or is it a case of like you enjoy different things about different projects?
1: Yeah it's it's definitely the latter. Um, some projects are you know super, super fun to work on uh, while you're writing them but you may not have the sort of emotional depth or resonance of um, other projects that are maybe a bit more of a slog um to do so yeah they all have their pros and cons i'd say probably the one that i'm the most proud of my output on is lost words because it's the first time that i did get to record with a full orchestra go through that entire process of writing entirely for um players so um had to make sure that my sessions actually made sense for other human beings for a change, Um, (laughs) which was a good practice to get into, for sure, but still not something that I'd really had to consider before. Um, But yeah, just so pleased with how that turned out. But Battletoads was probably the most fun that I've had on a game. Um, Just being back in the studio, being in that environment, writing that kind of music. Uh, yeah, absolutely lovely. I'd, lo- I'd love to do more guitar-based scores. Um, and you know, there's there's stuff that I could say about all of them. To be honest, um, yeah, no, very difficult to choose.
0: So when you were doing like the, the moment you were recording with the full orchestra with uh, Lost Words, is that the moment you kind of felt vindicated that you didn't go back to do your masters? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's been a few. There's been <laughs> a few moments, but yes, yeah, so I think that was definitely one of them. I would. Uh, w- would have happily uh, accepted it if that was if you know if that never happened again <laughs> and but i just got to experience it that one time that you know that was almost enough for me. it was just such an incredible moment and not something I thought I'd ever really have the opportunity to do. so I'll always be uh grateful that I got to experience that and very excited to do it again now to be honest
0: yeah i mean you've uh, the next question i got, you kind of already touched on it with some of the post-rock influences but what's your kind of general musical influences as such
1: um i don't really know it, <laughs> it depends on it really does depend on the uh on the project because you can't really take i mean i, I still listen to a lot of pop punk to be honest with you yeah um but you, you, very few projects that require that kind of uh, influence. To be honest, but um, you know, maybe I do take something from you know. My arrangements are always very um, very snappy and sort of pop structured. Um, I always try and give something, you know, uh, a hook or, or a you know a chorus, so to speak. Um, yeah, my my sort of composing technique is really more akin to songwriting, but with you know traditional colors rather than uh rather than lyrics and guitars and so on and so forth um yeah not really sure man
0: yeah just like in general music terms like what you listen to day to day or oh
1: um i'm going through a real kind of old school uh, pop-punk phase at the moment uh, they were showing the American Pies on TV not <laughs> <laughs> you know, I watched those for the first time in about 10 years and I was like oh I haven't listened to Blink in ages so been listening to some old school Blink some Newfound Glory um, and a bit of like Taking About Sunday and Finch and some emo stuff as well like yeah I'm not sure oh uh, in terms of soundtracks I really enjoyed the um, Black Widow
0: uh, soundtrack recently oh, yeah. A- yeah i was just gonna say with like you said about american pie like and pop punk like that was kind of very much a, a film soundtrack kind of thing back in that era like every every like american high school kind of college thing seemed to seem to use that and it's one say i was speaking to someone before about like being exposed to that music when you <clears throat> you don't listen to it like the tony hawks pro skater soundtracks tracks and oh, i love that yeah. yeah and it's just kind of like you would you would never have really in my instance with some of them never have listened to them if you did if they weren't in those films or in those games and it kind of like set off like such a musical journey
1: yeah yeah the music um supervision on those games is absolutely second to none though those track listings are so iconic and uh Yeah, it was really awesome hearing them again when they remastered, although they didn't get all of them, but hearing a lot of those old tracks again on the remasters was
0: really fun. (laughs) Um, So in terms of, like, like game soundtracks, is there, like, a soundtrack you would have liked to have worked on, or not necessarily worked on, but, but, like, a fly on the wall watching how it was made and things like that?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Silent Hill 2 would probably be... um, one that I would have loved to have been involved with or, you know, get to witness the creation of. Um, Final Fantasy VIII as well is probably one of my all-time favourite scores. but I think that probably would have just been Nabuo at Piano for the most part, so yeah. uh, not quite as <laughs> uh, creatively uh, fascinating as, you know, uh, Silent Hill 2 would have been. But, yeah, one of those games for sure. I'd really love to work on... Um, well actually I am working on a survival horror game now so dreamer uh, <laughs> dream accomplished but yeah uh, that, that was always one of my one of my goals when I started out was to get to work on a survival horror game but to write something emotionally compelling for it rather than just doing you know jump scares and um, metallic scrapings and stuff you know, write <laughs> something with a bit of heart and soul and so on and so forth so um, that was always one thing and another thing is probably yeah getting to you know, score a grand sprawling RPG and you know really get in depth with kind of thematic writing and assign you know signing character theme tunes and writing really iconic memorable music for various locations and stuff like yeah. that that would be a bit of a dream project as well.
0: So with um like obviously the your kind of journey, the first game you did was just yourself and mike biffle and you've gone working through games up until like working with big studios do you feel like working on soundtracks for like indie games um there's much difference between working with a big studio i'm assuming like obviously there's a lot less hoops to jump through in terms of people you need to make happy with it
1: yeah um no definitely i've i've been very lucky in my collaborations with larger studios thus far in as much as um they haven't tried to get um overly sort of micro managerial uh, when it comes to the creative side of things um, if they have notes and feedback then obviously you uh, respect that and uh, implement and respond accordingly but um, no touch wood I've you know there, there has never really been a point where I've felt like you know oh this is uh, this is definitely a job rather than something that I'm enjoying <laughs> you know, it's still always creatively fulfilling and um yeah, you you always feel like you're getting to put yourself into it rather than just sort of being a tool for someone else's vision, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, you know, in, in indie games, that just isn't ever a concern at all. You know, you have a you normally have a direct relationship with one layer of hierarchy, and then if they're happy, then everyone has to be happy. So <laughs> it's, uh, quite nice on that in that sense for sure. Um, I think you know something as subjective and abstract as music. You know, one person's opinion can differ quite wildly from another's, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that there's anything wrong uh, with a piece. But um, you know, someone may well. There's no accounting for taste. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think the more personalities that you involve, the uh, bigger chance that you're creating for yourself to have an uphill battle in terms of getting everyone to agree on something so it's always nice to just sort of minimise that side of it and you know have have one person's creative vision that you're trying to fulfil um, as well as your own obviously and uh, yeah that's definitely one of the big benefits of working on sort of more intimate projects
0: with um, so with yourself, have you got um any work coming up that you're allowed to talk about? Obviously, you mentioned you're working on a survival horror game, but I don't know how much you're allowed to say about these things.
1: Yeah, I think I'm allowed to talk about that one because it's been announced. Um, so, uh, <laughs> if not, then uh, yeah, you have to have to bleep this bit out or something. But um, that's fine. No, there's uh, a game uh, being made by uh, one of the um, creators of Cube. Um, called uh, Death Ground at the moment and it's a uh, dinosaur survival horror game sort of um, spiritual uh, well no it's it's not connected to Dino Crisis at all but it's a survival horror game with dinosaurs and Dino Crisis was one of my (laughs) favourite games ever on the PS1 so (laughs) it's very cool that I can either have sort of three degrees of separation there <laughs> but yeah that's um that's coming on really well um yeah super exciting uh to work on that and um I imagine there'll be more news and trailers and all of that fun stuff coming up in the not too distant future
0: that sounds good um i mean i think kind of wraps up most of the questions i've got if you you got anything you'd like to add david
1: no, no, it's been great chatting to you. Man. I think I've probably rambled on for long enough. So.
0: No, it's fine. It's all interesting. It's nice to hear, like, the inner workings and things, you know. It's very much, like, especially when talking talk about the um, Thomas Was Alone soundtrack, you just kind of think, like, oh, yeah, it's really simple. When he jumps or gets to that stage, it triggers this, and it's, like, obviously it's not that simple.
1: <laughs> uh, happy happy accidents when yeah. uh, you get things that line up like that.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the... the, the So thank you for your time. Thanks for giving the time um, to come on. Really enjoyed chatting to you.
1: Yeah, pleasure, man. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for having me.
0: Once again, I'd like to thank David for the great conversation and answers to my questions. Uh, really enjoyed chatting to him and wish him the best with his future projects. Um, the next episode will be going live on the 3rd Friday of October, hopefully. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate you taking time to uh, enjoy the podcast. and Thank you, and have a good day.